The scripture on which the sermon is based comes from Habakkuk. The prophecy that the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps that capture them. Then they sweep past like the winds and go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. This is the word of the Lord. I think I probably don't need to convince anyone that we are living through some troubling times right now. Over 360,000 Americans have died so far from COVID, among them this last week, a friend of mine. Uh, millions and millions of people have lost their jobs. Millions have lost their health insurance. We've witnessed just a widespread breakdown of order and civility in our public discourse, in our nation's capital. We've, we have been reminded over the last year again and again of the ongoing existence of racism in our society. These, these, are, these are troubling times. And a helpful resource that the Bible offers us for times just like this is the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a Hebrew prophet who also lived in a very difficult period of history. And in this short book, Habakkuk records a conversation that he had with the Lord, a, con a conversation that, that helped Habakkuk learn to trust God, just to trust God, no matter what was going on 
around him. Now, our plan is to take four weeks to work through this book. Community groups are, are going to be meeting by Zoom uh, to study this together. And, and just so you know, the, the basic structure of the book of Habakkuk, it goes like this. First, Habakkuk asks God some questions, then God gives an answer. Then Habakkuk asks some more questions, and God gives more answers. And then the book ends with Habakkuk singing. He, he writes a song of, of hope and praise and confidence, uh, revealing that through this process, he learned to trust God. Now, in, in this opening passage, I, I we'll do this. Well, first, I want to look at the questions that the prophet asks. Then I want to look at the answer that God gives him. And then I, I'd like to, with the time I have after that, just kind of tease out some unchanging truths that we learn from God's answer, all right? So we'll, we'll start with the prophet's questions, and you can see his questions in verses 1 through 4. Now, you should know that Habakkuk, Habakkuk lived in Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom of the Hebrew people. He lived in Judah in the late 7th century B.C., and he lived during a time of just overall spiritual decline in his nation. Uh, the northern tribes, the tribes of Israel, they had already been conquered by the Assyrian Empire as a result of their ongoing idolatry. And now Judah, the southern kingdom, was also drifting away from the Lord. Um, as Habakkuk watched with horror, the, the people of his generation were becoming increasingly worldly. They were flirting with idolatry. They were beginning to engage in pagan practices the wealthy in the land were growing richer and richer with every passing year, and they were demonstrating just kind of a callous indifference to the needs of the poor. Sexual immorality and violence were on the increase in their society, and to add uh, to all of this, their nation for several decades was passing through a series of disappointing kings. There was just incompetent leadership at the top. And so as Habakkuk watched what was happening to his nation, his heart just grieved. He was brokenhearted. I wonder if you've ever felt like that looking at, at our nation, just grieving over what's happening. Well, apparently Habakkuk had been praying about his concerns for his nation for some time, but which, by the way, is something that God wants his people to be doing, to be praying for our land. He had apparently been praying, but he felt as if God was not listening to him, like God was not answering his prayers. So you see his questions in verse 2. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help but you do not listen. Or how long must I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? It just felt like God, God's ignoring me. He's not even listening to my prayers. Verse 3, he says, why? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why aren't you doing anything, God? One, one author writing about this passage said, Habakkuk felt that God was not listening. He was not intervening. God was supposed to be righteous, but he was putting up with wrongdoing and allowing justice to be perverted. This was not the God Habakkuk knew. He thought God was just. He thought God was powerful. He thought God would respond to the prayers of his people. But instead, it appeared 
God was doing nothing. I wonder if you've ever felt that way, have you? Maybe just in, in your own personal life, just feel like God's not doing anything. Well, that's the way Habakkuk felt. And so his questions are, he's saying, Lord, how long? How long are you going to ignore me? How long, how long before you do something? Why don't you do something? So those were the prophet's questions. Now, in verse 5 through 11, you see God's answer, all right, the way that God responds to this. And, and God's, God's answer is surprising. That's an understatement. God's, God's, God's answer is just not at all what the prophet expected to hear. I, Habakkuk might have been expecting God to say, uh, Habakkuk, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to raise up a great king like King David, a man after my own heart who will lead the people in, in my ways. Or, or he might have expected God will say, Habakkuk, I, I'm going to send out more prophets, more preachers to call the people back to the covenant. Or, or maybe he, he expected God to say, Habakkuk, you just watch what I do in the temple in Jerusalem. I'm going to bring a revival to the worship there so that the priests can, can instruct my people in how to live. That's what Habakkuk might have been expecting God to say. But God said in verse 6, I'm raising up the Babylonians. <laughs> now, the Babylonians were about as wicked and evil a people as you can imagine. Fierce, violent, godless, pagan nation conquering the world. God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. That just must have been so confusing, that answer. God's answer to the spiritual decline among his people was to send pagan armies to conquer them not what the prophet expected, all right? But that was God's answer. And God's answer, if you look at it, think about it, reveals some important truths, guys, about our God that we need to cling to, 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 to today. So with the time I have left, here's what I want to do. I just want to try to tease out three unchanging truths about God that we learn from this surprising answer that he gives to Habakkuk. And the first I'll point out is this. Guys, God is at work. God is at work. Even, listen, even when it feels like he's doing nothing, even when you can't see what he's up to, God is at work. Now notice here, starting middle of verse 3, when Habakkuk says, destruction and violence are before me, there's strife, conflict abounds, the law is paralyzed, justice never prevails, justice is perverted. Notice, when Habakkuk says that, God does not respond by saying, oh, Habakkuk, Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I didn't realize that this was taking place. You know, sometimes I get caught up in things and I, I just forget about my people. But, you know, now that you tell me about this, I'll get started. I'll start doing something to address this problem. That's not the way God responds. Habakkuk brings these needs in his land to God's attention. And what does God say? Verse 6, God says, I am... Notice, present tense. This is already happening. I am raising up the Babylonians, 
It's as if God says to Habakkuk, I'm on it. I'm already at work. Even before you started to pray to me about these things, I was already working to address them. And guys, this is a truth that never, ever changes. This is true for you today. God is always at work. Even in situations where we don't see what's going on, God is at work right now. Someone, someone once said, if, you're, if you are praying about it, God is working on it. If you're praying, He's already working long before, long before we ever begin to see the answers to God's prayers or even get the sense that He's listening to us. Long before that, God is at work to fulfill them. Now, to be honest, there are seasons in life, sometimes they're very long seasons, when it feels like God is not doing anything, like nothing's happening. I, I, I wonder if you've ever gone through a time in your life like that where you pray, you wait, you pray, you wait, you pray, you wait, and it feels like nothing. You ever gone through that? In, uh, in one of his books, uh, Dr. Seuss, the children's author, he describes what he calls the waiting place, where everyone is waiting. Here, here's how he describes it. Waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. Let, let, let me ask you, have you ever felt like God has you stuck in the waiting place, just waiting. Well, Christian, what, what I want you to hear today is that while we are waiting, God is working. Amen? Even, even before we realize what he's up to, God is at work. Jesus said in John 5, verse 17, Jesus said, my Father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. So one thing we learned from God's answer to Habakkuk is that uh, even though Habakkuk felt like nothing's going on, God was already God was already on the job. He was already uh, responding. So one thing we learn is that God is at work. A second thing we learn is that God is in control. Now li listen again to some of the way, ways that the Babylonians are described in this passage. They are a ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth. They are a feared and dreaded people, a law to themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock 
kings. They scoff at rulers. Their own strength is their God. That was the Babylonians. Now, let, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be assigned the task of organizing the Babylonians and motivating them to accomplish God's will? How would you like that for your job? You say, no, I would not want that job. That would be impossible. Impossible for us. Not impossible for God. God says to Habakkuk, you know the, the, the Babylonians, you know those reckless, defiant, violent, fearsome, evil people, you, you know them? God says, I, I am going to make them do my will. I am going to use them. They don't want to. They don't realize they're, they're serving me. But I'm going to use this reckless, out-of-control group of people. I'm going to use them to do what I want to be done in this world. In other words, God says, this, this evil empire, it seems like no one in the world can control them. Guess what? They're a pencil in my hand, and I'm writing history with them. I am in control of them. And guys, do you realize God, our God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that our God is sovereign over everything that ever happens anywhere in this world. He raises up nations for a season and then he sets them aside. He, he puts rulers into power and, and then he takes rulers out of power. God controls the forces of nature. He oversees the movements of the stars. He determines the outcomes of battles. He decides when and where each one of us is born. And when and where we die. He's just in control of everything. Jesus, in Matthew 10, 29, Jesus said that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground. In any tree, in any forest, anywhere in the world, a sparrow cannot fall to the ground outside of the will of what? Of whom? Of your Father. So God is just in control of everything. Little tiny birds are under His care. And, 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 Evil empires are under his control. He's, he's in control. So what do we learn from this strange answer God gives Habakkuk? First, God is at work. Second, God is in control. And then thirdly, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. As I said to Habakkuk, the, the answer he got from God must have been so confusing. It's like, what did you say? Did I really did I hear you right? You're going to send the Babylonians? Just, it, for him to hear that the way that God was going to address the spiritual decline of his people was by bringing in these pagan armies just must have sounded so bewildering. And let me ask you, isn't that often the way it is? I mean, isn't, isn't it true that very often we just, we don't understand God's plans. They don't make sense to us immediately. But God knows what he's doing. Verse 5, the Lord says, Look at the nations, Habakkuk. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe even if you were told. It's like saying, Habakkuk, you have all these questions. Even if I sat down with you and I explained to you exactly what I'm doing, you still wouldn't understand it. This is way over your head. This is way, way beyond your pay grade. You just wouldn't get it. 
but I know what I'm doing. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I wonder if any of you have been maybe walking with the Lord long enough that you, you have enough experience to look back at some time in your life and it just seems so bewildering. What was God up to? Why was he doing this? And now with a few years perspective, you look back and you say, aha, he was right. He was right. He had a reason for this. I, I believe someday when we're, when we're with God in, in the kingdom to come, we will all look back at every moment of our life and we'll say that same thing. He was right. He knew what he was doing. And that right now, however, we sing songs like the one we heard earlier in this service. God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. We don't, right now, we don't understand it. And so right now, we often will say to God, God, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Why did you answer my prayer the way that you did? That's not what I was looking for. I don't understand why this or that heartbreaking event took place in my life. It doesn't make any sense to me. You ever say that to God? I don't understand what you're doing. Your plans don't make any sense to me. God, I just don't understand. And when we do this, I think God responds and just says, my child, you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand. I just, I just want you to trust me. I know what I'm doing. Stevie Wonder, the musician, was born six weeks premature, which led to complications that caused him to lose his eyesight. wonder how many times his mother held her blind son in her arms and just looked at him and said, God, why? I don't understand this. In his autobiography, Stevie Wonder says that when he was a kid in school, one day a teacher came to him and said, Stevie, You've got three strikes against you. You are poor, you're black, and you're blind. You will never accomplish anything. Some teacher, huh? I wonder if as a little kid he ever just cried. Said, God, I don't understand. Well, in one of his hit songs, the lyrics that Stevie Wonder wrote say this. We all know sometimes life's hates and troubles can make you wish you were born in another time and space, but you can bet your life times that and twice its double that God knew exactly where he wanted you to be placed. Another way to say that is God knows what he's doing. He wants us to trust him. Now, his ways are mysterious. Let's just be honest about that. 
If a, if a, if a non-Christian friend says to you, can you please explain to me what, what God is doing and why he's doing it? You just have to say, no, I can't. I don't, I don't have any more of a clue than you do. His ways are just so mysterious. I mean, who in, in Habakkuk's time, who would have ever thought that, that the way that God would rescue his, his nation from their spiritual decline was by bringing in the Babylonians? Who would have thought that their salvation, their redemption would be accomplished through an act of judgment? But that's what God did for them. And guys, isn't it true? That's what God did for us as well. Our redemption was accomplished through a seemingly meaningless act of judgment. I mean, if you want to talk about times when God's ways just don't make any sense, I mean, if you want to talk about that, listen, there was never a moment in the history of this world when it seemed more like God had lost control of the world where it seemed more like God was no longer doing anything, where it just seemed like God didn't have a clue what he was doing. There was never a moment in the history of this world where it seemed more like that than three hours, one Friday afternoon, 2,000 years ago, when the Son of God was hanging on a cross. It just made no sense. And yet, through that seemingly meaningless act of judgment poured out, not on God's people, but poured out on God's Son. Our redemption was won. Amen? It's just the moment that made the least sense at all in the world. God said, check and mate. I'm winning the game right now. And three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb, and it was apparent that God was at work that God was in control, that God knew what he was doing. Amen? And those truths are as real right now as they have ever been. Might be for some of you that what, what's going on in our nation has brought you great distress this last week. It might be for others you haven't even watched the news this week because it's what's going on in your personal life. It's just occupying every waking moment of your thoughts. And what the Word of God has said to God's people for hundreds and hundreds of years is what God is saying to you right now. God is saying, my child, you don't have to understand. You don't have to see where I'm at work. You don't even have to feel like I'm at work. But I am. I am at work for the glory of my name and the good of my people, and you can trust that. You can take that to the bank. God is at work. He is in control. And he knows. He knows what he's up to. So would you pray with me? And, and with me, let's ask God to give us grace just to trust him and wait. Our Father, we ask, not just as a formality, we ask because we really need your help. We ask that your Holy Spirit would, in ways we can't even describe, would empower us as your sons and daughter to live as men and women of faith, 
to hold on to the truth of your power and your love, no matter what's going on around us. And we pray that as you do this, you would build within us a resilience and a hope and a joy that would allow us to live in this world as people who sing your praise. Amen.